0: Hello and thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Allergy, Immunology and Inflammation Assembly of the ATS. Today, we have the opportunity to talk to Dr. Bethany Moore. She's a professor of pulmonary medicine at the University of Michigan, and she's the chair of the Allergy, Immunology, and Inflammation Assembly. Today, we're going to be talking about the programming for the upcoming 2018 ATS meeting that is going to be taking place in San Diego. First of all, I want to welcome you to our podcast.
1: Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here.
0: Why should people attend AII programming this year?
1: Well, the AII Assembly has actually programmed a little over 650 abstracts that were actually submitted by our members. And these were designated to go to various different scientific sessions that are dedicated to sort of the broad interests of our Assembly members. And I just want to give a shout-out to Drs. Andrew Fontenot and Ben Medoff, who were our chair and co-chair of our planning committee this year. And they spent a lot of time over the holidays scoring and reviewing those abstracts, and then their whole program committee worked to try to put those together into sessions that they thought would be of broad interest to our membership. So I'm excited to see what they've come up with.
0: Excellent. What is your favorite thing about the ATS meeting?
1: Well, the ATS meeting to me is sort of um, two favorite parts. One of them is that it's always a great time to see the new science that's coming out and to hear about clinical trials and, and new data. But it's also really an important meeting for me for networking. So it's fun to get to go and see the new data that come from laboratories whose work I follow closely and who work in areas that are similar to mine. I always make sure that I look for those talks and posters on the program. But I also really like to get a chance to interact with young scholars at their posters and hear their talks. It's For me as a mentor, it's a lot of fun to see my own trainees get a chance to, to present their work and then to get questions from the audience and to see how they get a chance to interact with those other people that are really leaders in the field. So I think that there's really two great reasons to go to AT. One is for the science and one is for the networking and really my experience over the years has been that the people at ATS are so willing and eager to collaborate that it's really a great meeting to be able to sort of come up with new mouse strains or new techniques or um, access to patient samples that you might not have and and I've always been able to establish those um, connections at ATS. I also think that um, the career development programming is a huge plus, and there's been a lot more of that, and I think our early career professionals group will have another podcast that will speak about that a little bit later. So the thing about ATS is there's just such a huge meeting that you really have to try to find these smaller niches to interact with and to make it a little bit more manageable. And so those groups can come either from scientific sessions that are focused around a disease, they can come around a particular research theme, and certainly you can visit things like the Fellow Center or the Clinician Center, the Science and Innovation Center. Those are places that you can go to try to meet people who have um, similar interests as you, and it might help you to make sort of um, a a group of friends and colleagues in networking that would be a little bit closer to your own interests. And, and that really makes a big difference because then, of course, one of the best reasons to keep coming to ATS is that you get to see those people again year after year after year. And so that's what I really like about it. So I think the science, the uh, business meeting for me is very important, uh, the mentoring programs, and the networking
0: I agree with you. It's such an exciting thing that happens every single year. You have the opportunity to meet with uh, friends and colleagues and also share some of your own experiences and some of the new methods, new technologies, ideas, and be able to advance your science trying to improve the care of our patients.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, I always come home from ATS really energized with a lot of new ideas, so it's a great meeting for that.
0: I want to touch on one of the things that you highlighted is that our programming for AII is pretty broad, and I think it reflects the diversity of the assembly. But in general, what are the overarching themes in AII programming?
1: Yeah, I would say in general, our assembly members tend to be most interested obviously in asthma, which is a huge area of interest for our assembly, but also in COPD. Inflammation just about of any kind in the lung is a big topic of interest for our members. The study of acute lung injury is a major area and also fibrotic lung injury. We have a lot of members who are interested in host defense against a variety of different um, infectious diseases and pathogens, and then obviously have a huge, uh, in fact, an entire section on genetics and genomics who are interested in really using omics of any kind to study lung disease. And then finally, we are the assembly of, I think, all of the lung immunologists, which is the reason I got interested in AII to begin with, because that's my training and background.
0: Thank you for that general description of themes and topics that AII is interested on. For that group interested in AI programming, what are the scientific symposia that are sponsored by AII this year?
1: Yeah, so for AII this year, we got to program five mini-symposia that were based on the submitted abstracts that were highly ranked by our program committee, and then we also got to contribute a few abstracts to a late-breaking poster or a late-breaking abstract session that was programmed as well. So I can tell you what those five symposia were as well as the late-breaking session. On Sunday morning, there's a mini-symposia on lung immunology and health and disease, and it's going to have, I think, some very exciting talks about innate immune cells, dendritic cells, and macrophages, and there's going to be some new updates on cytos technology And one of the talks that I think will be really of great interest to our members. On Monday morning, there's a session on immune pathways in lung injury and repair and I think that session probably has something for everyone because there's a talk related to sickle cell disease, to transplantation, a talk on pneumonia, one on COPD, one on acute lung injury, one on influenza and one on aging. So that's a really great session that is very um, broad ranging but all with some tie to immune pathways. Also on Monday morning, there's a late-breaking abstract session that I mentioned, and that's really focused on reports from clinical trials, and there's going to be three specific talks on clinical trials and asthma and COPD updates. So for the clinically-focused members, that might be very interesting. On Monday afternoon, there's a a session called Where There Is Smoke, There Is Lung Disease, and that's a session that's really dedicated to the latest research in COPD and emphysema, but also has a talk related to cannabis-related smoking and lung disease as well. On Wednesday morning, there's a special session on immunotherapy and lung disease, and there's five talks that are related to asthma therapy, two that are related to the treatment of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, and one focused on COPD. So again, those are really, I think, highly relevant to the interests of our members. And I think there's just so much interest in immunotherapy right now that it's just a really exciting time to see these trials moving forward and actually moving into lung disease. Uh, the last mini-symposia we have will be on Wednesday afternoon, and that's a session on genetics and genomics of obstructive lung disease. And it really focuses on omic approaches in asthma and COPD and includes talks on metabolomics and also on asthma endotyping. So I think that that session in particular will be of great interest, to, especially to our members on our section of genetics and genomics.
0: Excellent. In addition to having this very nice scientific symposia and so diverse, I wanted to ask you, what is your advice? Yeah, at the meeting, we always have this uh, amazing display of science and that allows for discussion put on the poster sessions. So what is your advice to make the most of the poster sessions, you know, in general, but, all, but specifically sponsored by AII?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that as well. Well, first let me just tell you what the poster discussion sessions are that AII was able to program for the 2018 conference. So we're going to have six of those sessions, one on clinical and mechanistic studies of lung fibrosis, one on mechanisms and clinical features of severe asthma, one on alveolar macrophage diversity and lung injury and repair, uh, one on asthma clinical and mechanistic studies, one on infections and immunity, and one on mechanistic and translational studies in COPD. So again, you can see our, our themes keep coming up again and again. Poster discussion sessions, I think, are actually one of the very best opportunities to network and interact at ATS. In these sessions, there's generally going to be 20 to 30 posters and their presenters that are all in the same room. And if your poster is programmed into that session, you can bet that almost everybody else that's in the room presenting with you will share similar interests to yours. And I think one of the things to remember is that while you might be very tempted to stand at your own poster through the entire poster discussion session in case somebody comes up to talk to you, you really should remember that this is also the session that may have some of the most uh, relevant work for your own interests. And so you should feel free to take at least a few minutes to walk around and talk to the other presenters and see some of the other work that interests you. And I think it's okay even if you have to leave your own work unattended for a few minutes. You can keep looking back and, and if you see somebody who's really looking for you, then you can move over and and then continue your conversation later. When these poster uh, discussion sessions work the best, the facilitators usually try to engage the audience in some discussion around some broad themes. Um, Usually that means that they just give each poster presenter maybe just 30 seconds to just state what the main conclusion of their work is and to draw people's attention to it if they didn't get to it. But the best part of that discussion is when you really spend that time thinking about sort of big picture questions. And my advice to somebody who's going to be programmed into a poster discussion session is to not be afraid afraid to speak up and ask some of those questions yourself. Um, These work by far the best when everybody's really engaged and willing to speak up. There's really no dumb questions. It's fine to have some controversy around certain topics. And so I think that's really where you can sometimes have the very best discussions. And a lot of times people end up standing there a little longer than the session is to just be able to keep talking about these interesting questions in the field. I will say one thing that happens sometimes in those poster discussion sessions is that if some people are still at the posters and talking and there's still a group of people trying to have conversation where the table, you know, kind of where the chairs and the microphones are set up, it's really hard to hear. And so um, I think it's really nice if you can have a conversation outside the room if you're not going to actually be contributing to the main discussion that's going on. But absolutely, I think the poster discussion sessions are one of the very best opportunities to network. And you should also remember that we get, um, you know, hundreds of excellent abstracts every year. And so you definitely cannot just assume that the best abstracts are always going to be presented in talks, sometimes the very best science or the most relevant science for your particular area might be in a thematic poster session or one of these poster discussion sessions. So you really do have to look at every single uh, presentation in the book, and it can take a little time to prepare and be ready for that.
0: That's great advice, particularly for those visiting for the first time. Expanding a little bit more on that specific group, can you give us any advice on how to approach the meeting and how to make the most out of the the whole ATS experience?
1: Yeah, well, I know ATS is really one of the largest scientific meetings in the world. I mean, there's generally around 17,000 or so participants at the meeting. And so it's huge, and it can be very spread out. And a lot of it depends on what city we're in as to how far apart the different sessions might be. We're lucky this year because we're going to San Diego And actually at San Diego, most of the sessions are fairly close together. Many of them are actually in the conference center itself. So it's a little bit easier there to be able to go back and forth between sessions. Um, I think the best way to make the most of the meeting is to really spend some time before the meeting, either with the online program or once you get to the meeting with the actual program book itself. And at least the night before, if not sooner, you really want to map out what sessions you go to. The app can actually help you do this as well, too. It's really very helpful. And it may work out that there will be two sessions that are at the exact same time that you may want to attend, and that's when it's important to look about where those sessions are. Because if they're very far away from each other, you just may not physically have time to walk back and forth between the two different talks. If they're in rooms that are just um, fairly close together, though, the facilitators try really hard to keep the talks on the schedule and to keep the questions and and talks to the time limit so that you could go to a talk that's scheduled at 9.15 in one room and hopefully still be able to get to a talk that's scheduled at, say, 9.45 in another room and have time to travel in between. So they try really hard to do that. I also know that the Early Career Working Group is really putting together another podcast to showcase some of the career development events and the special programming that's going to be going on in the Science and Innovation Center. And if you're a first-time attendee, I think it would be really great to check out those opportunities because some of that career development programming is really top-notch, and it's geared for people of all different um, sort of levels in all different career stages, so for both basic scientists as well as clinicians, for fellows as well as faculty. Um, And so I think it's really a great idea to do that. One little tip that I have is that I go through the night before and make sure that I know what the the number and the letter for every um, abstract of every poster that I want to see in the thematic poster session is. Because those thematic poster sessions are very spread out and they're very crowded and it can be very hard to sort of juggle the abstract book um, in your hands while you're trying to find it. So if you just have a separate piece of paper where you've written down all of the numbers of the posters you know you want to see, it's a lot easier to manage that and be able to go up and down the aisles and find something. So I think those are sort of my uh tips and suggestions. I mean, one thing just to remind you about that ATS started a few years ago is that presenters can put a copy of their poster um, onto the website called an e-poster, and once the conference is over, if you've been an attendee for the conference, you have access to those. So if there is something that was really important to you that you happen to miss, don't be afraid to check and see if the e-poster is available, or certainly I've had people contact me directly and say that they just weren't able to make my poster presentation and could I please update them on the data that I showed. And so I think don't be afraid to reach out. I I really think that the networking that happens at ATS is one of the most important things.
0: That's great. Another thing that happens also at ATS, you know, we also have the opportunity to interact with people visiting from uh, other countries, and we also don't want to forget about them. What is your advice for international attendees? Any uh, particular advice to make the most of the meeting or just specific recommendations before they travel?
1: Right. So actually, ATS has a huge attendance from international attendees. In fact, I think 42% of the attendees come from international locations each year. And really, I think my message to them is the same as it is to everyone else. I think that you'll get the most out of the meeting if you spend some time planning ahead of time which sessions and which talks you want to go to. And then if you're not afraid to go up and introduce yourself to those authors that are presenting and try to make some connections and some networking connections. I think people at ATS are eager and interested to talk to anyone who has interest in their work, and so you're never going to be bothering them by asking a question, so don't be afraid to do that. One thing that can be an issue for our international guests, however, is that travel to the meeting uh, might require a visa depending on where they're coming from, and especially since there's now a few extra steps in the U.S. visa waiver system. So we always recommend that international travelers either visit the U.S. State Department website to learn about the process of getting a visa, um, and make sure to check with the U.S. Embassy in their home country to just make sure that there's not any additional steps that they need um, to take. There is a lot of information about um, being an international visitor to the ATS conference on the website, including some people that you can call, including uh, Douglas DaCosta or Fran D'Malley. And Fran's email is F-D-U-M-E-L-L-E at org. And I think if you have a specific question, you could certainly send a message to Fran and she'd be able to help because the ATS staff are always right on top of everything.
0: Yeah, knowing... From personal experience, how great the ATS staff is assisting uh, with any questions that you may have. We appreciate their input, and they're great at, at what they do. So I wanted also to take the opportunity on this podcast. I'm also a member of the section of genetics and genomics that is housed under AII. And I wanted to plug in a couple of events that that we're planning and that we wanted to highlight. So number one, we're going to have our business meeting on Sunday, May 20th, from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Our speaker is going to be Rob Knight. He's uh, an expert on the microbiome. It's going to be an exciting talk. The second topic that we wanted to highlight, too, was that there's going to be a postgraduate course chaired by Mark Werfel, uh, Gerald Koppelman, and uh, Debbie Myers, uh, it's going to be taking place on Saturday, May 19th, is studying pharmacogenomics in lung disease and critical illness. We also want to see you there. We, we're very excited about these opportunities to showcase omics and genetics and genomics in the, in the meeting. So I also wanted to ask you, Beth, when is the AII executive meeting?
1: Yeah, so the AII Executive Business Meeting will actually be on Monday night, so that's great. That means you can go to both. (laughs) Um, Monday night, May 21st, from 4.30 to 7. And then immediately following that, we will have a joint reception with the respiratory cell and molecular biology assembly. And that will be a great opportunity to um, mix and mingle and get to network some more with those people because there are quite, as you can imagine, with our interest in lung injury and fibrosis um, and inflammation, there's a lot of overlap with the interests of the RCMB members as well. So we find that this joint reception uh, gives a lot of opportunity for members to get to catch up with each other and talk further there.
0: How can you attend and how can you join in this meeting?
1: Yeah, so there is a small charge for the reception because there's some food and drink there. Um, If you register for the conference, you can actually register online at the same time for the uh, assembly reception. Um, And you can see it there. I think for a full member, it's $42, if I'm not mistaken. And if you are a member in training, I think it's $22, if I have my numbers right. If you've already registered for the conference and you want to be able to go back and add in uh, the charge for the reception... Uh, If you just go to the email that you have for your confirmation, uh, you'll see down at the very bottom it'll say, you know, how to connect with us and update your registration. And once you go into that link on your registration, you'll be able to add the reception and any other postgraduate courses or uh, meet the professor courses or anything else that you might change your mind and want to attend.
0: Excellent. This has been uh, extremely helpful. And I, again, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate all the detailed answers about at the first topics in, in terms of you know, what to do at the meeting, what AII is bringing. The last thing that, that I wanted to ask is, how can you get more involved with the assembly? How can you join in and bring your energy and uh, bring your motivation to make AII better?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question and an important one. And I always like to remind people that... um the, the assemblies are a great way to sort of find that smaller community within ATS because the meeting is so large and really you can get involved in the assembly business at any stage of your career um, as a first-year fellow even as a resident um, certainly as a PhD scientist I was able to join in um, if you just come to the business meeting which will be on that Monday afternoon at 4:30, you'll get a chance to hear from all of our sort of standing committees a little bit about the work they're doing and almost every group is is always looking for people to volunteer. Um, so if you come to the business meeting, you can generally talk to somebody that night and volunteer. You can certainly always email me while I'm the chair of the assembly, and my email is b-m-o-o-r-e at u-m-i-c-h dot edu. Just let us know what kind of things you're interested in, and we'll find ways to volunteer and if you, even if you just have a great idea for some programming that you'd like to see, we are always really eager to hear that, too, because there's a lot of people who are working hard to try to make the ATS have real relevance for the people that attend. And I'll just mention that uh, for those of you who are staying in academics and hoping to promote up the ladder there, you're going to need a lot of letters of recommendation. And it's a great idea to come to the business meeting and start to meet some of the people who are a little bit further ahead of you who can write those letters for you. It's so much easier to approach somebody about writing a letter of recommendation if you can actually remind them, hey, remember we met at that business meeting at ATS and we had this long talk about acute lung injury and the work that we were doing and whatever. So I think that... that, uh, The networking is very important, and so please come to the business meeting or drop us an email and let us see if we can get you hooked in.
0: Thank you so much, Beth, and I look forward to seeing you at the meeting.
1: Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for organizing this podcast. I think it's a great idea.